Welcome to the Butts and Seats Podcast, episode number 84. We're getting there. It's Super Brawl 2000. Super Brawl. I'm Nick alongside Emily. Hello. Emily, what is it we do here? <laughs> Would you say it is you do here? Well, Nick, we take a week-by-week look at the slow but inevitable downfall of WCW. That is the you know standard line that we go with, but it kind of has turned into taking a, a look at the just faff and bullshit that makes Nitro and WCW in general fall apart through the 90s and 2000s. Really? This show is light on faff. I, yes, it this was. This is a very straightforward pay-per-view. I thought there'd be more. Look, There's last, some shit. Look, last year's Super Bowl, you know. So remind me what happened to last year's Super Bowl? I don't even, I, I, sorry, don't I disassociated. Oh, no, that's fair. That's not to say that this show that we're about to talk about is not, doesn't have some shit going on. Oh, yeah. There. there is some shit in this show. But it's isolated shit. Oh, buddy. But yeah, that's what we do here. So last year's Super Brawl was main evented by Hollywood Hogan and Ric Flair. They did Scott Hall versus Roddy Piper. Wait, hold on. Wasn't there just recently a whole thing of like, we haven't seen Flair and Hogan in the same ring in years? We haven't seen Hulk Hogan. Get absolutely fucked. Is that really what they meant? I think so. You made me think that I was misremembering things. You said that I was wrong. They said some technicality. Oh, that's such bullshit. That is such bullshit. And I knew, I knew that wasn't it. I knew that wasn't a landmark event. I knew that we had seen Hogan and Flair in the ring. Oh, no. I, I was just, I was showing that to you and was all annoyed. Cause I'm like, we're going back to this again. They made, they did like multiple papers. They had that weird first blood cage match. See, that's what I thought. And then when you were saying like, actually, we haven't seen them in the ring together. I was like, I, I know that's not true. Oh, this was the uh, Ray, Ray Mysterio got unmasked. Last Super Bowl? Yeah. Wow. You know, on paper, this card doesn't look that bad. So I'm really like. I'll have to go back and look at our, like re-listen to our episode of last year's Super Bowl. It probably was bad. It was it. It wasn't Super Brawl last year that made you lose your mind. I thought it was. Maybe because in my head it was SummerSlam, but that's not a show no. on this network. So. We literally have not reviewed a single SummerSlam. So maybe it is Super Brawl. I'm thinking of the S's. You know. I mean, the only chance we'd have of watching a SummerSlam would be if if you were to choose it to review on our brand new Patreon. Hey, our Patreon launching next week. Yes. Yes. It's going to launch a week before our wedding. Woohoo! So it's going to launch on August 19th Woo-hoo! of 2023, in case you're listening in the future. <laughs> and we'll, depending on how it does, that's either still there or it's not there. <laughs> Don't talk about it. So day one, we are going to have, as previously mentioned, we are going to have the WrestleMania 18 pilot episode that admittedly it's audio quality it's a bit rough but it's the first time we ever sat down and recorded a podcast yes. we never released it it is our it's long it's the bumpy, raw file is four hours but it's the first thing that we ever recorded together so it's kind of cool we also have recorded legends house part one don't ask why <laughs> emily i just felt the vibe i don't know <laughs> and we will be watching whatever the third thing is going to be tomorrow emily Hell has yeah I mean, it's about 36 hours to figure oh, out. I just, I go on vibes. This whole Patreon is my vibes. That's how I found Legends House. I was just scrolling through Peacock and I'm like, that's it. So that's three hot, fresh new pieces of content coming your way on August 18th, 2023. 19th. August 19th, 2023. <laughs> You're doing great. Thanks. So to tie this all in, one of the uh, legends on Legends House is Hacksaw Jim Duggan, not to be confused with Hillbilly Jim. Or Jimmy Hart. Oh my god, there's so many gyms. You, you know what? I realized I didn't look up to see if any of the other ones 
actually like their, their shoot name is Jim. Jim or James or <laughs> I could see John. Roddy Piper being like a James. Yeah, probably. But Hacksaw Jim Duggan had a very important moment on WCW Saturday night the night before this show. Yeah, what the fuck? So, in case you forgot, Duggan's still a janitor. Even when Russo left, it's like, no, I guess you still have that job. Like, wait, what? But he was like this all-American guy for He's, a minute. He still is. But like, no, in, in oh. WCW lore, like, for a minute, he was coming out with the flag. He was going against the revolution. I mean, he, he usually comes out with the flag, but... But he doesn't always come out with a trash bag. No. Like, yeah. But by the way, I don't know if we've actually seen Jim Duggan since last pay-per-view when it was just like, all It was right. him versus the revolution. Yeah. That was it. I don't know if he's even appeared anywhere on TV since oh. then, but... um. But he's here now. He's here now with a trash bag. And some of you know this segment, some of you might not, but he, he comes out the trash bag and inside the trash bag is the WCW television title. What? Blasphemy. Last How dare it? being thrown out in the trash by Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. I think Nash actually dunked it, but Hall was the champion. But, like, think about the logistics of this. <laughs> that was no, thrown no, out. No, no, they don't work. You cannot, there are no logistics. <laughs> this was thrown out, like, a month ago in story. Not in this arena. Not in this state. How the fuck do you still have the trash? Admittedly, I do not remember what town... That happened, or this one, but I'm aware they are vastly different towns. Because he also says that, like, I was going through the trash at WCW. It's like, at the headquarters? You just take the trash from all the... Yeah. That's why they're losing so much money. They're just storing all their trash. They just don't have enough room to store anything else? Like, why are you keeping your trash? And also, the stuff that was in this bag, it's like plastic. Yeah, because clearly they didn't want real trash in with this. I guess not. So your new WCW television champion is Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, yeah, because he found the belt. It's just his now. Yes. And this will be such a big deal that they, they do not mention it once on commentary. Nope. The entire night of Super Bowl. They don't even mention Hacksaw's name. I don't know how much we see of this. I know this belt disappears again come April. Something tells me that this is going to live on Saturday night. I mean, I think, I think there's only like six shows in between now when it vanishes. So I think it's going to live on Saturday night. Yeah. But... I don't have too much to chat about like, backstage because we kind of hit most of the uh, notes at the end of the last episode regarding mm. Scott Hall. Oh, apparently Scott Steiner's suspension will be for 90 days. Jesus. <laughs> no, it's, no, it won't. <laughs> that's what they said, but uh, that's not They're what's They're running out of guys. They need him back. <laughs> he missed one show. So let's get into Super Brawl, shall we? Let's go. We're at the Cow Palace. The Cow Palace, which is outside San Francisco, but they're just going to pretend much like they do with uh, shows in East Rutherford, New Jersey. It's New York. You get so butthurt about that. I do. <laughs> Show took place on February 20th, 2000. So 220, 2000. At the Cow Palace, 8,569 in attendance. That's it? Apparently only about 5,000 paid. Oh, yeah. And you can see it on the signs in the crowd. Uh, I don't... Know for certain that this is the max at the time, but in 2023, the max you can fit for a concert is 16,500. So, Woof. so this was maybe half full. Yeah. On a worse sign. And I gave you a little bit of a hint on this. Oh my God. Yeah. Let's play The Price is Right, Emily. So, Super Brawl 1999 did 485,000 buys. 485,000. Okay. Last month sold out, did 115,000 buys. Oh. Emily, how many buys did Super Brawl 2000 do? Under 100,000. 
You're correct. Can you be more specific? I'm going to say 90,000. 70,000. It is the lowest amount of buys since a pay-per-view called Battle Bowl from November of 1993. Oh my god. 70,000? Yes. That's it? Oh no. Yeah. You know, when you... You gave me like a bit of a clue when you were looking this up because your visceral reaction to that number was so tangible that I like looked at you. I was like, what the fuck did you just find? He's like, oh, God, I just found the buy rate. And you said it was five digits. I was like, "Okay, so like 99,000 or something. Emily, if you were to take everybody who bought this pay-per-view and put them at a WrestleMania, you could still sell more seats. Oh, my God. (laughs) That wouldn't even be a sold out (laughs) WrestleMania. Oh, Wow. Now, yikes! Would you believe me if I said it gets worse going forward? Oh God! <laughs> and you're telling me this company's dying? I don't get it. I don't see it. The lowest I'm seeing is fifty thousand. Jesus! But the wildest thing to me is that as bad as they're doing, like they they still are doing better than the best TNA pay per view ever. Oh really? Yeah. Yikes! See, I don't. You know, I really don't know a lot about TNA. It's a weird time, man. Yeah, I believe it. I showed you a little bit of a Shark Boy the other day. Oh, I love Shark Boy. Get that coin, Shark Boy. So let's get into Snickers Presents Super Snickers! Brawl. I love that Snickers sponsors all of their pay-per-views. They sponsor a lot of wrestling. I don't understand why, but I love it. I wish I liked Snickers, because I don't. I have like a very but... clear memory of Paul Heyman pushing Snickers. Sorry, Snickers Cruncher. When they were Snickers trying to cruncher, I don't I don't remember what was different about. It. I'm guessing probably, it was it's probably like rice or something. Yeah, like, like um like a crunch bar. Yeah, I really wish I liked Snickers. It's like sushi. I wish I liked sushi. I wish I liked Snickers. I just don't, and I have visceral reactions to both. So we get a opening video package for the pay per view. I feel like those are getting a little rarer and rarer. You know they are, but they're very descriptive. A little too descriptive. I agree. I know WWE is the gold standard of these, but. The fact that it's just generic music with the guy going, and this Sunday, we're going to Sunday, see- Sunday, Sunday. Yeah. So the main points the video package hits are Funk versus Flair, Hogan versus Luger, and the triple threat of Sid Hall and Jeff Jarrett. We get Tony Schiavone, Mike Tanay, and Mark Madden on commentary. And the theme song for this pay-per-view seems to be straight out of Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger spin. The colors were also very colorful. Yeah. Like, did you notice the lights? A little bit. They were like red and green and blue and- it felt like you were going on the, the, the ride, you know? No, sorry. I'm laughing. As somebody who works in lighting, they were red and green and blue. Ah, the three light, the three colors the lights, As the cheapest lights can do. white color lights. That's usually just white lights. We go to Mean Gene to do a confusing segment. He's here to interview Kevin Nash, but some ladies, the Harris boys, and Jeff Jarrett leave the commissioner's office instead. Jarrett then says, I just rang Nash's bell, so I don't think he's going to be here. And then right. tell Sid Vicious at home that, like, the Harris boys are allowed. They're unbanned. So so this was really confusing for me because I didn't watch Thunder. Yeah. And Thun- you did. Th- yeah, Thunder ends with Jeff Jarrett hitting Kevin Nash in a wheelchair with a guitar. So when you said that, that seemed like this was a pre-tape. Like, this, but, is, this got cut from Thunder, supposedly. But Gene is holding a microphone that has the Super Brawl logo on it. Oh, I didn't get that. Yeah. So this That's is... That's so weird. Yeah, I, I, it was the weirdest pre-tape, potential, eventually not. I don't know what they're going for here. Yeah, it was really, but it was jarring. The takeaway is that the Harris boys can now be at ringside, so. And Kevin Nash won't be here. 
they literally set up on Thunder. Hey, at the end of the show, they're like, they can't be here. And the first thing you did was, no, 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 well, they, they can. Yeah. JK, JK. He'll be here. The ladies flirt with Jean on the way out. And I got big Legends House flashbacks. And like, oh, like, my where's God. Ashley or whatever her name? Yeah. Yeah, Ashley. Yeah. That was right. Good job. You remember. The former Pussycat doll. Listen to the episode for more. We had Tony, Mike, and... Oh, oh I... Oh, I did a, I did a Freddy's. I did a Freddy's. Oh, no. Did you do Tony, Mike, and Bobby? I did. Aww. Oh. Tony, Mike. Tony, Mike, and Mark. Mark. You fucking Mark. Uh, they check in like formally and run through the card, and this takes a long while. Because this is this when they do the like buffering crap. Yes. Oh, I hated this. So when they get to the total package versus Hogan, they're like, "Will it be Hulk Hogan or will it be Hollywood Hogan?" I'm like, "All right, which is the one that has has a, a ten inch penis?" Oh, I don't remember. Oh wait, are you not aware of this? No. When Hogan was getting sued on the record, it's like, "All right, the character of Hulk Hogan." Has a 10-inch penis, but Terry Balea does not. I don't know Why how this came up. Why is that on the record? I don't know how this came up, and I don't really want to know. I am like living in ignorant bliss. Yeah, so I don't know which one of these two men has a 10-inch penis, but uh, I don't, you know, they, will that come into play later? We'll have to see. We'll see. Tune in to find out. And then you lost your fucking mind at one of these graphics. Oh my god! We get the um, little, like, match graphic for... Lash through versus the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea. But on the graphic, it's not the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea. They literally wrote out Taff Cappy. T-A-F-K-A-P-I. They wrote out Taff Cappy. I lost my fucking mind. Like, th- we did that. We did something. <laughs> Retroactively, if this was 20 fucking years ago. But we did that. <laughs> and we get our special main event. Oh, no. It's the wall versus the demon in a main event. Totally going on last and not fourth. Definitely not smack in the middle of the card. And uh, additionally, James Brown is here tonight again. Supposedly, question mark. I don't don't know. Mark Madden says he partied with James Brown last night. Sure he did. Yeah, sure he did. So let's go to our first match. It's the Cruiserweight title tournament finals. Lash LaRue versus Taft Cappy. We get a little match video package kind of running through the tournament. They were trying to go too deep into the lore of Lash LaRue here. Like, with all the places he was from. The only one that made me giggle was Mark Madden called him the Ayatollah of Shrimp Criolla. Which, like, made me funny. Which, see, the fact that he was wearing the Chris Jericho shirt, I'm like, stop trying to make him Chris Jericho. Yeah. Only Chris Jericho can say Ayatollah. That's it. Uh, Actually, Ernest the Cat Miller can as well. No. I'd say uh, deep cut reference. So Paisley comes out, and I don't know whether it's intentional or not, but she looks and acts straight out of Batman and Robin. Oh, yeah. Like, she's going hard, Poison Ivy, Uma Thurman vibes. Yeah, she definitely is. She's definitely trying to be Uma Thurman. Well, the, the problem is, I've seen her in 2006. Like, we, we turned on SummerSlam last night while you were falling asleep. <laughs> oh, I didn't and watch this. It's she, she's the same delivery. Really? It's identical. But she's next to Booker T being a weird king, so it plays better. Yeah, this is just a weird gimmick for her. It's very sexual, but, like, not sexual. Like, these guys in WCW just don't know how to have chemistry with women. Yeah, what it is is, this is a sexual gimmick, but I am not. I do not believe for a second that these two are fucking... It's a sexual gimmick with no chemistry. It's just, yeah, yeah, there's... I'm not going to believe this. You know the old, like, you, you cut the tension with a knife? It's this like, spreads like butter. Yeah, this, this, is, this is an abstract material. This is melting. No, that implies it's hot. Oh, true. So the bell rings and Paisley immediately interferes. I'm like, DQ? No. <laughs> the, 
the first thing that happens is an in-ring interference spot. I'm like, come on. The artist is not a 10-punch spot, but keeps trying a few times. Shake, rattle, and roll from Lash is interrupted with a super kick, and the artist is thrown to the floor, and Lash hits a vaulting dive on him. Mm. He just kind of, like, launches himself out of the ring. Like, it's almost concerning. But this is the cruiserweight title, so, like, you're supposed to do that, right? Yeah. The artist hits a dragon screw on Lash, and that I've never seen that move look smooth. A dragon screw? It's like the big, like, leg twist, so you grab it and, like, whip him down. It always looks rough, but I don't know anyone's gotten seriously hurt, so oh. the fact that it looks rough is kind of effective. Okay. I never knew the name for it. The artist puts Lash in a tree of woe, and Paisley gets on the ring steps behind him, and then doesn't do anything. So the whole time that this re- this match is going, commentary keeps mentioning, like, Paisley's on the ring a lot. Paisley just keeps being on the apron, but I guess that's fine, right? Like, they, like, add to the lore, I guess. Like, she's just there and everything's okay. Yeah, like, they're like, oh, Charles Robinson is, like, intimidated by something. Intimidated by Paisley. Yeah, yeah like, it's fucking no, stupid. No, it's not. Well, speaking of Charles Robinson, we get an Aloha artist, which, which results in him grabbing Charles Robinson's dick for some reason. This made no sense to me. <laughs> The artist was, like, trying to just hold on to anything that'll keep him up, and he just, like... Apparently, Charles Robinson's got a thick hog. Yeah, like, who reaches for the dick for stability? <laughs> Much like my transition out of this, there's some sloppiness when transitioning <laughs> from between the spots. Oh, my God. Yeah, they, like, the actual spots are smooth, but then they're like, okay, what's the next one? They don't really know what to do in between. Yeah. And we're, like, kind of, like, doing the 180 turns, like, wait, no, now? 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 Belly to belly to lash as Paisley is just posted up on the apron. Which is just fine, I guess. And then it gets real sloppy in the ring. It really does. It's, I don't think they actually fully planned out this match. I think they're just like, ah, we'll wing it. Lash through goes for a top rope Frankensteiner, but Paisley gets behind the artist and grabs his arms, so Lash crashes onto the mat. Artist hits a jumping DDT, and Lash takes like a Rob Van Dam style. It looks mm-hmm. good. And the artist gets the win and is the new Cruiserweight Champion. Paisley crawls towards Tafkapi sexily, and that's the match. I guess they're really pushing the artist. Yeah, seems that way. I like it. Go Tafkapi. He's fine. He's fine. I just like his gimmick. I want more of it. Yeah, admittedly, he does have a good entrance. Yes. It's probably for the best that um, the lighting and fil- and like whatever filters and all that don't let you see the crowd because they're probably not reacting. Well, there's also like nobody there. So yeah. True. <laughs> There's still 8,000 people. So this is as good a spot as any to mention it. I did see a lot of signs in the crowd for this, and a lot of them said things along the lines of free tickets. I thought this was WWE. Grant me my release. Where's Benoit? It's a lot of people that are like not here for this, but they got free tickets, so they're here. Yeah, I'd go. I would go too. Absolutely. Any closing thoughts on on this actual match? No, the match was pretty underwhelming. It wasn't a good sign when uh, they're like, I hope Psychosis gets a match soon. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I want that match more. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care who he faces. That's going to be yeah, a better match. Psychosis. He also has like the best music in WCW. Yeah. And, well, they're, and they're also like, oh, like, and like Hoovy's coming back soon. Ooh, Hoovy. I don't know when Hoovy gets fired, but I know he does come back for a little bit. Well, yeah, he's got to do his uh, his juice. Do you remember how Hoovy gets fired? No. Oh, that's going to be a fun time when we get to that. Oh, God. <laughs> a lot of drugs involved there. But, oh, no. But like. Well, I guess in a concerning way, but in a, a like, bender sort of way. Oh, no. I don't want that. Movie. Overall, I thought this match started strong, but then kind of fell apart. It definitely fell apart. They had the be- they had the beginning beats down, but they did not plan the entire match, no. and it was very clear. Backstage, we get Norman Smiley getting wrapped up by a doctor. He has injured ribs after getting remember. put through a table on Thunder. Oh, okay. 
Sure. Okay. <laughs> the men's did a three-on-one handicap match. Let's add more adversity. Let's add another injury. Elsewhere backstage, Mean Gene interviews Brian Nobbs. Nobbs with one B this so week, but um. This fully confused me. Okay, so I thought that Brian Nobbs' whole feud was with Fit Finley. It, it was because of the whole You're thing correct. that happened with Jeff Jarrett. You're correct. Okay, so why the fuck are we getting a promo? About him being mad at Bam Bam Bigelow and Lex Luger and saying that he learned everything from Fit Finley in his training. Like, he's lauding Finley and he's mad at Bam Bam. Okay, so I actually didn't take issue with this promo for that reason. I, I, the, this, the, the match is a different story because technically Lex Luger broke his arm. Okay, sure. Check check there. Bam Bam, Bam took his title. So he has right to be mad at both men. Okay, I guess my, and, my issue with the promo was that he was lauding Finley. Of like this man taught me everything I know and I'm gonna make him proud sort of vibes like yeah they, they, that's I mean, where I got confused. it's always been a weird relationship with Finley they were just they they were screwing each other over yeah. like two weeks ago I mean that they were doing that while they were a team as well so it's kind of weird but <sighs> see that was not my takeaway from this you're talking about what's happened recently he's like I've been to the top of the mountain. Dude, it's the hardcore title. Fucking chill. So where is the mountain in... Um, Shut the fuck up. <laughs> is it like behind the, the dungeon? He was he was up there on uh, Relic Peak. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Okay, I don't know if you know this, but um, Relic is actually killer spelled back. Well, I had one of those later, so... Uh, God damn it. Uh, Nobs closes the promo with no retreat, no surrender. Cool. Elsewhere backstage, there's a secret room. Ooh mystery it's like we haven't seen anybody come and go from that room all day at one point mike Tanay is like i spent hours outside that room and mark Madden is like you hung outside of a room for a few hours and he's like i got guys <laughs> you no know, i have spies spies they say spies <laughs> yeah <laughs> let's go to bam bam bigelow versus brian knobs with one b for the hardcore title in a bonk match <laughs> bam bam starts with a chair and knobs hits him with a trash can lid after finley comes out to distract Bam Bam Bigelow. So this is my other confusion because I was thinking maybe maybe Finley is like truly hurt and they just had to like revamp the feud so that these people had something to do on the pay-per-view. So maybe Finley's just not in the picture. And then he comes down the fucking ramp. I'm like, what is happening? Well, I had the same thought and I looked it up. I'm like, okay, he wrestles a match on the upcoming match. I, I was so lost. Yeah, I... It doesn't make any sense. I'm trying so hard to follow these storylines because they're not very clear on anyone's front. But this one really blew my mind. They brawl into the crowd and then onto the concourse. We get a slam through a random table that's set up back there. Yeah, it can't really be a bonk match if they're in the crowd, which made me sad. I'm in it for the bonks. They come back towards the ring and Nobs grabs a table. Get the tables. Tony fucking like breaks kayfabe here talks about how like repetitive the table spots yeah. are literally like they're like oh someone sets it up they're usually going through it like he who takes he, he who sets it up takes the bump yeah but and tony then, shivani is just fucking over it he's yeah. like i've seen this we know what's gonna happen and then, like, the, then the exact thing happens i'm like no you need to like say tony, that and then they like you know tony, do something please. different tony literally just goes all right we're doing the table spot here Tony's just not in it anymore. He knows. He can see the he can see the light at the end of the tunnel. He's done. Bam Bam hits a greetings from Asbury Park. Doesn't go for the pin. I looked at you right then and go, oh, he's losing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he hit his finisher. I went, no, I got to do other stupid shit. He goes up top of holding a chair and then throws the chair at Finley. Knobs <laughs> crotches him and he falls to the floor. We get a bin lid to the back of the head and Knobs wins. So, supposedly, there was also some use of the cast with that throw, or at least that's what commentary was trying to sell, because he, he didn't even, like, hit him that hard with the lid. It was just, like, a toss. 
And then he was down and he was pinned. All right. The, the physics of that, you can't hit somebody with the I, thing you're holding I and, your, and your wrist at the same I time. I recognize that, but that's what commentary was trying to sell. Of like, oh, he got hit with the trash can and the cast. So Nobbs is back to being the hardcore champion. Woo. This was kind of lame. I really wanted this to be a lot more fun than it was. Yeah. It, it wasn't hardcore enough in any sense. Like Not at all. Like, maybe they came out with a whole bin full of weapons. I think they yeah, used, like, they, two they of them. They used trash cans. And then they yeah. went to the concourse. And they can't use trash cans in the concourse. Yeah. That's not true. They used a real trash can in the concourse. Oh, true. <laughs> they picked up an actual trash can full of garbage and threw it at each other. That was great. Yeah, so I don't know what they're doing with the story, and I don't think they know. They don't They don't care. They're phoning it in. Backstage, Ric Flair hypes up the total package, and then elsewhere, security says that no one comes in or out of Scott Hall and, and Sid's rooms. I don't know who this was per. I would assume them. Well, no, because Sid tries to leave later, and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa what are you doing, big man? Oh. So Maybe I, Jeff Jarrett? Because he's like acting commissioner. So and he's afraid of people. So The two arguments for this are it is either Jeff Jarrett trying to make sure that they don't come attack him. Yeah. Or it's like WCW being like, don't don't let anything happen to this match. Like, don't let people into Sid's room and to like, come mm-hmm. attack him. So. Okay. Yeah. I can see arguments for both. They don't. We don't have answers. But Later yeah. on, though, I don't know if that's like the next segment. But later on, we get um, Jeff Jarrett being like, I got to find out who's in that private room because I don't want them to attack me or fuck up my match. It's a little bit later. It is a little bit later. But like the paranoia there would steer the story toward Jeff Jarrett not wanting anyone to come or go out of Sid or Scott's rooms. Let's go to our next match. It's three count versus Norman Smiley. And just to add to the general weirdness of Peacock and the network, three count come out and have their song. They have their music. But uh, the, the demon later will not. But their song also seems to be turned down a little bit. I, I mean, I don't know. It was fun. I like the recount. Evan Gray just has a mic and says, no, we're not going to sing. Tonight, tonight's all business. We have some asses to kick. Norman comes out in a Jerry Rice 49ers jersey, and then he dominates all three men to start. Norman's yeah. like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm better than you guys. Yeah, Norman, like, I don't know where this man came from. Remember when he was screaming Norman and he was just a little coward? I think they're going to go back to that. Probably. Shane Helms stops potential big wiggle on Shannon Moore. We get a gut wrench suplex from Norman, and Helms goes for a swanton moonsault, where it oh looks like God, he's going to land this, on his fucking neck, and then he ro- rotates a little further. Like, it was oh. very Hardy Boys. No, it's very much that like head straight down, and I do, and like tuck, oh, you like tuck, so... and you like tuck the neck and land on your back. Ah, it's wild. It's so cool. It's such a good move. The Hurricane's so good. I know his name is Shane Helms here, but he's the fucking Hurricane, and he's so good. I love him. You're just you're just waiting for the moment of him just swinging into some boxes. Oh, I'm so ready. That's my favorite bit in all of wrestling. That's the real end of this podcast when you see that again. <laughs> we get the giant swing from Norman and then a dance break. There was, yeah, this is like this weird dance break where Shane and Evan make eye contact and they just start doing little like boy band dance moves. And then Norman starts dancing. He does the wiggle. He does a little wiggle. I'm like, well, hold on. What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> I'm, lo- I'm living for it. But what's happening? <laughs> Helms breaks up a Norman conquest and they start working over Norman's ribs. We didn't get a lot of triple team action and the ref's just no. like, it's fine. I did, I did not follow the rules in this at all. Yeah. I don't know what the rules were for this match. Who cares? We get double top rope dives to Norman, including uh, one that's like the spinning splash from uh, Evan Courageous that never looks as good as he wants no. it to. And then we get like a, like a high angle Boston crowd from Shannon Moore and Norman Smiley taps out. Yeah, that actually looks really good. Yeah. That was a good submission. Yeah. So three count win. Norman declines help to the back. He can do it on his own. And yeah, that's match. I really enjoyed this match. 
I thought this was a lot of fun. I thought three count looked really good. They are like, they're all three very capable wrestlers. Yes. In a silly gimmick. Yeah. So it's kind of the best of both worlds for me. Where I get to watch good cruiserweight wrestling and silly gimmicks. Silly fun times. Yeah. If I'm nitpicking, the, the, the triple team stuff annoyed me a little bit because rules, but... You have been a little more lenient on rules recently. I will give you that. I've been worn down. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome to my side of the world. But you know, yeah, this was a bit of fun. Like, like it's not fun. hurting anybody. No, it was a lot of fun. Backstage, the secret room is still secret. Jeff Jarrett wants to know who's in there, and the yeah. Harris boys are on it. Yeah, they'll get to the bottom of it. No, they won't. Emily, it's time for our main event. Wow, this was such a short pay-per-view. <laughs> you know what? I-, I turned to you during this, and I'm like, all right, if you really want to sell this as a main event, you got to bring out Michael Buffer. Oh, my God. <laughs> they did they not. brought Michael Buffer out for this. It's been amazing. It's the Kiss Demon versus the Wall. Whoa. This match did go longer than I thought it would. Right off the bat, though, Mark Madden and Tony are ruining the gimmick. Fucking exposing the business. They're exposing the band Kiss's business. Yeah. They're like, oh, you know the, the blood that comes out of Gene Simmons' mouth? It's actually just corn syrup. Like, stop it. What are you doing? For some reason, they do a little video package on the wall to make him feel like a big deal. I was like, this is so not about the demon. It's not about the demon at all. They know what happened here and they're like, let's just be done with it. You know what this is? This is, this is like somebody's having like a a hundredth birthday party. It's like, oh my God, you made it so far. And there's a little eight-year-old who's also birthday it is. And so they got a little little cupcake. Like, it's your party too. (laughs) It's totally about you. Yeah, that's actually a really good analogy. <laughs> and then some 30-year-old, in this case, the wall, just comes in like, no, mine. No, it's actually my birthday. It's my Look at me. It's my birthday now. So, and so to add to this, the wall's music hits. He doesn't come out. So the demon goes to investigate and gets blindsided. Yeah. So on top of being not a big deal, he's also dumb. Yes. Yes. They, they try to have him have this like cool entrance. Like The entrance is pretty cool. But... There's just no substance behind it. Yeah. There's nothing else it, there. It didn't help that it was a dub theme, so he even yes. felt like less of a big deal. Yeah, which was also really confusing because Three Count got their song, yeah. but the Kiss Demon didn't get his song. Yeah, I don't know. What? The wall dominates, hits a really struggling press slam to the Demon. Brett's rope clothesline from the Demon, and he gets a bit of bland offense. Yeah. Suplex to the wall, and I just don't, I don't care. I kind of checked out mentally from this one. Very soft backbreaker to the demon. Ugh, literally, who would care about this match? I already don't like the wall, and the demon is nothing. So, like, I have no notes on this. Even over before, I don't hate the wall. He, he's a good henchman. But he's not a henchman. He's not being a henchman. If he was still someone's bodyguard the way he was with Berlin, then maybe sure. But he's trying to be his own thing, and that's not that's not good for him. Yeah, that lasted so little time in hindsight. They did actually mention Berlin on commentary with the wall. They're like, remember when he was um, Berlin's bodyguard back in the day? Yeah. Look it, at him now. Because they were talking about like how how well he's able to like punch. Because he used to knock people out with one punch. Sure. What happened to that? You know, the demon came in and just wore him down. Commentary hypes up James Brown coming up next. With, it's with, not next. It's not next. But they're like, it, it almost seemed like they felt you wanting to change the channel like, on a oh, pay-per-view no, no, no. You, you bought. Like, no, stay tuned, folks. We got oh, more. Oh, don't turn it off. James Brown's here. <laughs> they literally already have your money. It's like, no, don't go. Oh, Kev, so Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan would never. <sighs> already got their money, brother. Exactly. Ugh, the demon almost drops the wall on his neck. It's like, holy shit. 
So he goes up top while choke slams demon from the top rope and goes to pin him, but accidentally pulls the demon's shoulder up. The pin still counts. Yeah, referee's like, I don't fucking care. His knee is entirely under the demon's shoulder. We well, gotta set up the rematch. Sure. Big eh. So there's a line in my favorite movie, Ten Things I Hate About You, that says, I know you can be overwhelmed and you can be underwhelmed, but can you ever just be whelmed? This match whelmed me. I was entirely whelmed. Yeah. <laughs> I was still underwhelmed. I, this is exactly what I expected it to be. Well, I am whelmed. The demon's been losing in like, you know, he lost in three seconds the other day. I'm like, all right, let's just get in, get out. Come on. <laughs> so I still find it amazing. I know the demon's around for the summer. Oh, God. It's so my thing with the demon. I think that whoever signed that contract. Eric to, Bischoff. Okay. Eric Bischoff. I think that he forgot to hire a wrestler. I think he signed for the content. I think he signed for the song, the costume, the rights to the gimmick. And then he was like, oh, shit, we have to put a guy in this. You go for it. Have you forgotten that this is not the first person to play the demon? No. I'm, and like they did <laughs> yeah. it for both. Like the first guy and this guy. Like, Well, the first guy shit, literally showed we up. We need somebody in the costume. Twice. Yeah. We need somebody to actually do this gimmick. I forgot about the talent part. Backstage, Mean Gene interviews the cat. Uh there's there's no James Brown yet. He'll be here later. Yeah, but Gene's like, is James Brown actually coming? We've been burned before. And the cat's like, ah, don't worry about it. The cat also has the line that uh, Beethoven stole all of his stuff from Little Richard and Little Richard stole all of his stuff from James Brown. Oh, my God. Because there's a mild feud here going with the cat and the maestro. Yeah, so Gene says something along the lines like, maestro thinks the cat should get into classical music like Beethoven. Also, you can have well-rounded taste and like both. Yeah, exactly. But that's enough to set up a feud, I guess. Yeah. Sure. The secret door is locked. Still. Then we get... Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for a pole match? We get Tank Abbott and Big Al. So somebody on our Facebook did warn us about this match. No, they didn't warn us. They're like, can't wait. Can't wait, guys. It's going to be great. That's a warning. For our fan base, that's a warning. It's the equivalent of movie going, you know what's great? Being alive. Literally. I'm totally not going to die in the next scene. So we get a Tank Abbott video package, including some scenes of him beating up Laparka. And I'm like, if you How weren't already you? a heel in my heart, you are now. How dare you? And we get Tank Abbott versus Big Al in a blood on the saddle. Sorry, skins match. <laughs> skins on a pole match. See, I love a pole match. I think well, pole matches it, are fun. It's a leather jacket on a pole. That's like their skin. I don't. I, I'm not following it. It's fine. Big Al comes out looking like Wish Dustin Rhodes. <laughs> Mom, can we get Dustin Rhodes? We have Dustin Rhodes at home. Tank Abbott fucking wearing some athletic shorts he found at fucking Gap. Oh, my God. Let's just get into this match because this is going to be a whole thing. And I need to feel my feelings about it. Yeah. And em- we just need to get Emily through it. broke a little bit. In this one. We need to just we need to get through this. <laughs> feel free to tell me if I missed anything. <laughs> I like after this match, we stopped and did a play by play of like, is this what we just fucking watched? Hold on. OK, continue. So they start and they're like, all right. We're going to use my belt to tie our hands together. And then they drop it. And they drop the belt immediately. So they have to like, all right, let's, let's do this again. Try again. So and I'm pretty sure the belt gets loose. They're just holding hands the whole match. So, okay. This was from the start terrible because now they are in close court, like close proximity. And the only move they can do on each other is just punches. Yeah. That's it. And Le- you know how I love Le- punch Left-handed spot. punches. Left-handed well. punches. Oh, my God. So they start punching each other. And this at this point, the belt is still around their hands. But it does eventually fall off. And they're like, nah, fuck it. 
I don't remember how, but Tank Abbott eventually gets like KO'd. Like he just gets like one punch KO'd by Big Al. Yeah. He's on the ground. It should be noted. These two are stiffing the fuck out of each other. Yes. So I guess I'm doing run through on this match. That's fine. So Tank Abbott gets KO'd. He's on the ground. He's like fully out. And Big Al just starts kind of like parading around him. Like, look what I did. Look at your man. This is what I can do. And he goes to like crotch him on the corner. Like into the ring the post. Pole. Into the ring post, under the pole where the jacket is. And he, like, slowly starts to, like, kind of crotch him. And he's like, ah, no. He doesn't even get close. No, he doesn't get close at all. And he's like, ah, no, that's too good for for, um, Tank Abbott. Like, no, I'm going to mess with him a little bit more. And then he gets back in the ring. And he gets on the ropes above Tank Abbott and just fully stands on Tank's face. His full weight on his face, just standing on him. And this is enough to wake Tank up. And to me, I think that that wasn't planned. And Tank was pissed. Yeah, because Tank, like, what Tank the fuck, really man? starts stiffing him after that. And just... Yeah, so that's enough to like shock Tank awake. And now he's up and he's in the ring and he's got like a newfound fury behind him. He's pissed. Yeah. And so they start stiffing the fuck out of each other. And oh, I've lost track of my brain. Where's what's next? What okay. happens next? So Tank knocks out Big Al. Yes. And then he puts Big Al on his shoulders. Oh, okay, okay, I'm with you. Okay, yeah. So, so I'm sorry. So Tank, yeah, gets Tank knocks out Big Al, rightfully so, because he's being a fuck ass. Like he's not actually fighting. He's just kind of like, man, this is wrestling. Man, he's like doesn't care. So yeah, Tank knocks out Big Al, and he's like, I'm gonna carry this man up to the pole, and I'm gonna get this jacket, and this is gonna be my big moment, which did is you, cool. Did you believe for a second this was gonna go off smoothly? I did. Oh, I, did I was for like, a no, because like it did seem cool. It seemed like a really cool spot. I I accurately predicted i'm like he will get to the second rope he ain't getting up to the top rope so here's what happened so big al is on tank's shoulder tank is climbing up the rope he's got his hands on the pole i think he does like get a foot on the top rope you know he does he gets a foot and that's it and then and then big al just like slides off his shoulder falls out of the ring they both fall oh my god but tank fully drops Al, and he's just, like, flopped did, outside the ring. Did not seem to protect him at all. Not at all. It was just like, well, you're dead now. And he goes up. Well, not, not yet he's not, Emily. We'll get there. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Big Al is just, like, outside the ring, fucking dead. And Tank goes up, gets the jacket. He gets the jacket. He wins. So, so he match wins. over. Yeah. Yay. The end. Pulls a knife out of the fucking jacket. Opens it up. Goes for for Big Al on the ground, not unconscious. Takes the the medical guy who's like attending to Al, which I think shoves him the fuck out of the way. I think that was a shoot medical guy. I think it that was. was like, hey, did you just you watch break your man, fucking neck? You watch this man fall, and you're like, yeah, he needs medical attention. So Tank just shoves this medical guy out of the way. He kicks takes him the knife and holds it to Big Al's neck, and then we cut away. Well. I think it's clear on the on the original broadcast, but Tank apparently says, "I could fucking kill you right now." And uh, ever the professional, Tony Schiavone, I think he said he's going to cut his beard with those scissors. Miguel is entirely clean shaven, and that is not scissors, Tony. We saw that. On, there was a fully, fully composed shot of Tank on the top rope with that fully erect yeah. knife in his hand. That is not scissors, Mr. Schiavone. Oh, my God. It was 
horrifying. I'm yeah. laughing through this, but it's a, it's a trauma response. Yeah, we, this is a horrible, they, they, horrible. They match. cut to such a wide angle, like no, get the fuck out of this. Would you believe it? Tank Abbott got a lot of heat for that. Yeah, no kidding. And um, I could be, I mean, I could be wrong, but that's pretty much the end of his push, to my knowledge. This was the worst match that I've ever watched in wrestling. This was horrific to watch this was boring even like with all of it like i don't like the grappling style of like mma like i'm not an mma fighter or fan i don't do you're that. also an MMA fighter. i'm also not an mma fighter but i am also just not a fan of mma so i find it really boring to watch but then like all the ridiculousness that happened within this match what the fuck how did nobody vet this nobody thought to like think through the move sets like no one was like let me let me see your match before you do it this is the worst thing I've ever watched in wrestling. This is... And I watched Butterbean, man. At least that was real. I don't believe that this wasn't real. So, um, I'll admit, I did not do my research on this. But uh, I'd be willing to say this is the last we see of Big Al. Any, any God, good? I hope so. Let's do a thorough goodbye to Big Al. Should we? Oh, my God. This is just so fucking terrible. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, how did this happen? We had to stop watching for a minute. And I had to, like, pace around the kitchen and be like, Nick, I need to I need to just, like, reiterate what I just watched. Uh, to, <laughs> He's like, yeah, no, that, that's what happened. To borrow a phrase, what was wrestling thinking? <laughs> this wasn't wrestling. So after that fever dream, <sighs> let's move into some stupidity. Oof. So we got Gene here with Harlem Heat 2000. Stevie says that Booker doesn't know anything about having someone's back. Ends his promo with, can you dig that, sucker? Then we get a video package for Stevie Ray versus Booker. Uh, unfortunately, the match is Big T versus Booker. Yeah. This made no sense. This made no sense. The rights to Harlem Heat and the letter T are on the line. Which they don't make a huge deal about the letter T. I thought this was going to be more of a thing. No, no, well, no. They hit it the other day. I think they realized how dumb it is. But it was like, no, don't forget, this is over the letter T. Before the match, we get a uh, we get a Gene interview with Booker. And once again, cuts a good babyface fired up promo. For all the marbles, all of the tea, spill that teases. Then we get Tony Schiavone gaslighting the audience about the ending of the last match. Like, no, what you saw was scissors, and he threatened, you know, he's gonna cut a beard. Yeah, that's, <laughs> like, that's, double down. I'm like, he's doubling down. He's like, you didn't just see an almost attempted murder. You saw silly scissors cutting beards. It's funny. The I match: Big T with Stevie Ray and Jay Biggs versus Booker. No midnight. She's yep, hundred percent gone. Goodbye. Although they tease, uh, her they do tease bit. it. Yeah. So Booker finally has the same music coming out two weeks in a row again. Yeah, it's very Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. It's yeah. They say leave it to Beaver. I got um, I got the game Toontown kind of vibe. Yeah, those kind of vibes, you know. Stevie distracts Booker early on, so Booker turns his back to Big T, and Big T takes advantage. Big clothesline early, and then Stevie taunts the crowd as Big T dominates. We get a back suplex to Big T, and then a front suplex. is like, goddamn. Yeah. Booker's got a good core. Oh, yes. I mean, and he's also dominating what ends up being a pretty lame match. Like, yeah. It's, he's good. Surprise. Big T begs off, but Booker's having none of it. Not even like, oh, maybe just no punch no, <laughs> right in the you. face. Double knock and knocker on the outside to Big T and Stevie, and then a flying chop from Booker. I don't think he really had a plan when he went up there. No. But, well, time to go. Like, well, I can't do a flying nothing, so let me do a flying, I don't know. Stevie interferes and Booker is sent to the floor. Stevie works him over, but back inside, Booker just regains control. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Booker will not let you forget he is the good wrestler in this ring. Scissor kick to Big T and then a Harlem sidekick, and he goes up top, but Jay Biggs interferes. We then get a bookend to Big T who sinks like a fucking mm-hmm. stone. Oh my god. Oh, he's out. I've seen Hulk Hogan take a choke slam higher than that. Then the lights go out and we hear Midnight Strike. The gong goes off. But instead of midnight, 
It's this massive, inflated-looking dude. Giant. Like, if man. you played the Mario Party game where you have to, like, in, you know, blow up the inflatable B- Bowser until it explodes, you got you need one more pump. <laughs> that's, that's all you need. <laughs> one more pump, and it's blowing. Press A, then B. It's over. <laughs> it doesn't do anything, but Big T capitalizes on the distraction, hits a sloppy tiger bomb, and gets the win. Do we ever figure out who that guy was? I, I have who it is. I imagine okay. they'll go into it a little more on uh, Nitro. Probably. Hopefully. But, but yeah. J-Biggs taunts Booker. Talks about the, the sheer mass of all the men in the ring. I mean, yeah. There are some large men in that ring. But you know what they don't do well? Move. Yeah. I, I It's not a good sign when I'm like, okay, so we just have seen that Big T cannot go in right. the ring. We so know even bigger guy. We know that Stevie Ray can't go in the ring. I'm pretty sure this guy can't go in the ring either. We've actually seen him before. Have we? We actually accidentally referenced him last episode. Did we? This is the man that was formerly part of the No Limit Soldiers under the ring name 4x4. Oh, okay. I would never have been able to put a face to that, but I recognize the name, yeah. Okay, I, I don't like giving you spoilers, but this is just too funny to not read. After the soldiers broke up, 4x4 changed his name to Cassius by joining the heel stable called Harlem Heat 2000 and acted as a bodyguard. The group consisted of leaders Stevie Ray, Big T, and manager Jay Biggs. Then began feuding with Booker T, although the feud didn't last long, Harlem Heat be- and Harlem Heat began to split up. Yeah, well, cool. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. It's like, well, he joined the group, didn't do much, group ended. God, it sounds like NWO 2000. Friendship ended with No Limit Soldiers. Harlem Heat 2000 are, are my best friends now. This was not a good match. Oh, it was so boring. Fucking, the, I mean, there's a again, Booker wrestling a, a broomstick joke to be made here. Literally, yeah. Again, we recognize that Booker's clearly the best wrestler. I mean, there's an argument to be made that he's the best wrestler in WCW right now. Hey, we're talking about that the other day. Yeah, and this is just adding to that. It's kind of embarrassing. Oh, and you're going to put him ahead of the maestro and Symphony? I sure am. Well, Mean Gene's here to interview them. The maestro decides that he's going to be doing a bet. And that if the cat produces James Brown, he'll listen to whatever the cat wants. But if he doesn't, the cat has to become his personal lackey. Yeah, he says that the cat belongs to the Stro. He's calling himself the Stro. I hate it. Also, Maestro and the Stro are the same amount of the syllables. The exact same amount of syllables. Don't call yourself the Stro. Like, no, that's awful. So the Stro offers this do bet. Not, do not go into it. And. It's just like, okay, no, I'm accepting on your behalf as well as offering this. But no, he also says, like, I await your response. Like, he, he says, like, you have to accept this or deny it. Like, it's up to you now. But that's, that just doesn't matter. Elsewhere backstage, we get the Harris boys with some guy who has some keys. And it's like, oh, they must have changed the lock. So they beat up the guy. That was their whole, like, plan on getting into that room. Find a guy with keys. That kick was it. Kick the door in. Literally. These are big guys. You can probably kick that door in. You guys used to be spray painting NWO on all the fucking walls. You're, you're going to lose your fucking security deposit. <laughs> kick the door in. Let's go to a match that definitely had some promise coming in. And we were like, okay. It was definitely. This was never going to be a bad match. Yeah. It is Billy Kidman with Tori versus Vampiro. Again, was never going to be a bad match. Never has been a bad match. These two are good. We get a video package with way too much detail. Way too much. Yeah, it's like, okay, let's go in detail of the first two matches. Then let's go like blow by blow for everything that's happened since. Mm-hmm. Like, we get it. It really felt like filler time. Match starts with power versus quickness, but Vampiro is still plenty quick. He gains the advantage. Kidman head scissors Vampiro to the floor and then is thrown into the barricade. Quick super gut wrench suplex from Vampiro. He starts to work over Kidman. Like, he gets up there and just like, bam, you're, you're gone. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, this is like a classic Kidman-Vampiro match. Like, it's going to have those hard-hitting moves. They're going to be flippy. They're going to be good. Like, it's classic. 
So the match gets a little weird here because Kidman counters a power bomb, but not into the face buster. Like, no. what, what is this bullshit? Yeah, he doesn't do the face buster. He doesn't do the shooting star press. Like, what's going on? Tori and her sparkly outfit gets on the apron and Kidman is kicked into her. Yeah, accidentally knocks her off the apron. He's distraught about this. Yes. He's very upset. So he goes to check on her and Vampiro blindsides him. Vampiro then goes for a chair and is going to hit Kidman, but Tori like, wrestles it away from him. He's like, no, you don't, motherfucker. Yeah, she like grabs it and intends to take it away from Vampiro, and Vampiro like, muscles it out of her hands and then turns to hit her with it. Yeah. Like, excuse me? Kidman stops him and then gets fired up. Vampiro goes back on offense, back inside. Get a sky high to Vampiro, but then a rocker dropper to Kidman. A rocker dropper? Yeah, it's like a famouser kind of. Oh, okay. It's like an old Shawn Michaels move. Okay. Oh. Sometimes you just throw random names of moves in. I'm like, are you fucking with me? Story you may have forgotten. Dean Malenko was once called into court as an expert witness. Oh, you have told me this. Because they had him take the rocker dropper in the courtroom. Yes. (laughs) Yes. No, it's safe. See? So you didn't know how to bump. You get a missile drop kick to the back of Kidman's head. And then in a line that made me sad for a multitude of reasons, Mark Madden says that in one year, this match will be for the U.S. title. In two years, it'll be for the world title. One, Billy Kidman should already be in the U.S. title scene. So I agree. But two, I'm like, oh, but in two years, you, no one's here anymore. Oh, no. If this match is still going in a year, I'll be shocked. I mean, the company's still around, but yeah, I don't yeah, know. But I feel like they're going to have Billy Kidman wrestle like David Arquette. I don't know. Somebody stupid. They do eventually develop a tag team cruiserweight title. Mm. So I know... Him and Ray are a team for a while, so I, okay, I think he's doing. I think he's doing that to. around this time next year. Okay, that's something to look forward to. Oh, but it's like worst Ray. Worst Ray. Oh yeah. Why? He makes some bad hair choices. Oh. He goes for like you know like Tyson Kid kind of look. <gasps> no. Oh. Oh, I know. No. He also has like devil horns at one point. Oh God. Yeah. We get a top rope Frankenstein to Vampiro, and then to add to the weirdness, I'm like, no, this is wrong. We get a double power bomb to Billy Kidman. I'm like, what? Yes, yeah. <laughs> Fucking assert your dominance. Oh my god, it was wild. It was a good move. I'm like, like Kidman's losing a step. Yeah. And then they go up to the top rope. And unfortunately, it's not really clear what happens here. It seems to be like a, re- a reverse tornado DDT. But Kidman hits some sort of move off the top rope and gets the win. It kind of killed a, the end of the match. It was a funky combination of moves. It looked interesting, but it also looked like a mistake. Yeah, it listen, it kind of killed the end of the match for me. Just like, like, oh, that's it? Oh, okay. Like, it didn't look impactful. Like, oh, that this is a match ender. Right. But, I mean, overall, still a quality match from start to finish. Just like a little bit, you know, a, a little bit flat at the end. But the first 98% were good. I mean, it's, again, it's Billy Kidman and Vampiro. They're not going to be bad. Yeah. They're good wrestlers. They have good chemistry in the ring. Like, if it was bad, I would have been really shocked. Yeah, and I didn't catch any instances of, of Vampiro throwing a tantrum, so. Yeah, no, no tantrum this time. Like that's that's good. I guess that's diff- just being I guess that's the difference between working with Billy Kidman and working with David Flair. <laughs> I mean, can you really blame him? Backstage, Mean Gene interviews Dustin Rhodes and Terry Funk, and much like the rest of the night, Dustin Rhodes is just kind of here. So I don't remember why Dustin Rhodes is teamed up with Terry Funk. Legacy people. Oh, just for funsies. Okay, so there was never any like explanation for this i mean there was like a little mini feud on thunder of flair and Rhodes and See, and we're getting and, and so many rick flair and dusty Rhodes about a whole feud yes so, that yeah. i know we're getting so many detailed packages i would love for them to recap thunder that'd yeah, be great so much work somebody has to watch thunder for that to happen that's true nobody wants to do that so sid leaves his room and starts screaming and then 
drops it down to a whisper. You fucking love this man so much. <laughs> Tell security to go get me and Gene. Hard, hard cut. The <laughs> hardest of cuts to Daphne screaming. Daphne on a stretcher, being like swung around by Crowbar, just wearing it, wearing like a blue, like a bright blue bob wig. Oh, it looked cute though. No, it did, but it was just like the difference. Is like what the fuck is happening? The intensity of Sid to the wildness of Daphne. Well, it's time for the Sicilian stretcher match. I'll let you vent here in a minute, but it's uh, it's David Flair and Crowbar with Daphne versus the Mamalukes with the Disco Inferno. We get a video package and then Gene interviewing the Mamalukes. Beto cuts a promo and he's like, John the Bull's so upset. He, he doesn't even want a cheese sandwich. He doesn't even want the cheese sandwich. Like, you have to do something really abhorrent to make him not want his cheese sandwich. It's a real appetite killer. And um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but killer backwards is relic. And John to the Bull used to wrestle as you Relic. with Appetite Killer? That Was that the joke that you were super proud of when we were watching no, this? No, it was the Hulk Hogan 10-inch penis. Jesus Christ. Wow. His Appetite is a Relic of what it used to be. And Relic is killer spelled backwards. Yes. David comes out wearing a Mayhem shirt. Bud. I had to have you explain to me a stretcher match because I had never seen or heard of this type of match before. So the whole stipulation of this match in particular, I guess this can change from stretcher match to stretcher match. They have to get both parties of the other team on a stretcher and out of the arena. They said out of the arena, which implies the parking lot. So a normal stretcher match, one, is one-on-one. So the fact that it's teams is a little different. But two, usually it's like they have a little line made of tape and it's like, you got to push them past that point. Okay, this was not bad. (laughs) And they didn't set it up like that either. They said you have to get these two men out of the arena. So before we even get to this match, let me vent for a second. So there were points in this match, no spoilers, but some people got onto stretchers because that's the point. There were three referees in the ring for this. Two of them, their whole job was to cart people out on the stretchers. Is that not fucking cheating? I mean, the whole point of this to me is you have to incapacitate the person and get them out of the arena. You, that is your job as the wrestler. But all they had to do was get them on the stretcher. And then fucking Charles Robbins is like, okay, let's go. Like, no, that's not how, that's cheating. You know what it was? They should have had the referees wear all black, like a box theater. And it's like, all right, we're, you know, they're just casually being drifted off. And oh, to, so they like, were props. Yeah, you have to, you know, just like pretend they're not there. You know, we're, we're doing an effect. <laughs> we're going to Hamilton the stretchers. Yeah. <laughs> so Disco brings out a wheelchair with a trash can just sitting in it. Like, Yeah, why? The trash can doesn't really come into play. Really, the crazies attack the Mamelukes on the apron, and they use the stretchers as as a weapon. Oh Disco, yeah, they take the padding off and everything, and they just kind of like lunge it at each other. Disco implies that he doesn't know what the match stipulation actually is, and, and then they tell him he's like, "No, no, no! I meant like before when we signed the match. When we signed the contract, I didn't know what it meant. Like now, I do. Like no, I'm, I appreciate you asking for the clarity because yeah. same. So Johnny the Bull gets set up on a stretcher on the floor, and Crowbar. Grabs the ring ropes from in the ring, and I'm like, what the fuck are you about to do? He does a springboard kind of vault, like, crossbody. I'm like, okay, I thought he was going to do, like, a somersault plancha. And I'm like, dude, you're going to, it's going to suck for everybody. He's like, no, he did, he did the the safe option. And I'm like, good. It still looked good. But I was like, oh my God, what's going to happen here? The Mamelukes use the stretcher to hit both the crazies, and we get, you know, our standard good double team action from the Mamelukes. I I still like their offense. Oh, they're actually very good. I have grown to really enjoy the Mamelukes. 
Daphne comes in, hits a Hurricane Rana on on China the Bowl, and loses her wig mid Hurricane Rana, but still like, has it in her hand. She's like, using it as like a pom pom almost. And then she maces Disco Inferno. Yeah, where did the mace come from? I, I don't didn't know. realize that she had mace. Women should have mace. I agree. I honestly, I should have mace, and I don't. Crowbar uses a pipe to beat down Johnny the Bull. Vito gets thrown into some pile of weapons as Daphne screeches. She screeches like a siren. I said this multiple times before, but it's it's impressive. Things start to kind of break down here. Getting a little wild. Crowbar gets powerbombed through a table in the corner. Then we get the double hip toss slam from the Mama Luke onto David. Plus a box jump to the top rope from John to the Bull and a diving 180 leg drop. It was pretty cool. It's nice to see him actually hit the box jump because we've seen that a couple times and he's not been hitting it clean. No, but he did it this time. My favorite thing about this match, though, was whenever like the Mamelukes would do something cool, Disco being, you know, in character, he's maced. He can't see anything, but he's on commentary. So he would just ask the people on commentary, was that good? Did we do something good? Was that was that us? He breaks it a little bit because was that good? Was that was that the diving leg drop? It's like uh, how how would you know? How would you know, Disco? It's I didn't almost hear like that, you didn't get maced for real. I didn't hear that part, but I liked. It. I thought it was funny. It's like was that was that us? Yeah. Did we do good? I get it, but like I stand by our enjoyment of Disco Inferno. I don't think he's awful. He's not awful. It's he's just a matter fun. of I like him exactly where he is, and yes. I don't want him to go any higher. Yes. So the Mama Luke's. Tape David to the stretcher very loosely. With, like, masking tape. The easiest tape to rip. This is, like, painter's tape. The, the referees take David away, even though he's, like, broken free of the tape. And it's like, no, nope, this is this, this is the spot where you leave the match, so but you need to lay there. They take so much time to wrap that tape around him, though. Like, they're trying to make this look real or, like, trying to actually make it hold some weight. No. No, they took a lot of time. They just didn't do it well was the problem. <laughs> If this was duct tape, then yeah, that would have been great. So, David Flair is now out. So, it's just up to Crowbar. And to add some weirdness, the bell rings. Yeah, I think that was just to insinuate that one person was out. Or Daphne might have been They were saying that Daphne did it. I don't know. But Crowbar uses half of the broken table as a weapon on the Mamelukes. I have never seen that before. And I yeah, think that's genius. Yeah. Like, use what you have. Johnny the Bull then uses the pipe on Crowbar. And we get a diving splash from Vito from the top rope onto Crowbar, who's laying on a table on the floor. And like Crowbar had his hand braced like he was ready to move. And I'm like, he oh, he, oh, he hit it. Okay. Yeah. Man's gone through two tables in this match already. And he's I'm, still standing. I'm kind of wondering if they went over time because they rushed a lot of the rest of Maybe. this. Maybe. They may have. And they might have been like, no, no, no. Bring it home. Yeah. <laughs> they tape Crowbar to the stretcher and he gets taken out. They win, but they're focused on Daphne. They tape her to the wheelchair. And they try to like tape her mouth shut, but instead they just like shove balls of tape in her mouth. Yeah, the, the, the bell rings like they barely even notice they've won at first. But um, Disco takes Daphne away and that's it. The end. This was a mess. It was a mess, but it was a fun mess. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't incoherent. No, it was exactly as silly as you wanted. Yeah, to be. I, I could use a little more structure, but yeah. They, but with these two groups, I want the silly. Yeah. I like the silly. It's, it's defined characters. Yes. And commentary also, like, continues to be like, hey, Crowbar's a little bit weird, but, like, Crowbar's a fucking good wrestler. He's great. Yeah. And he still is the best on the mic. He's amazing. I love Crowbar. He's in my stable. The problem is you need to kick people out of your stable. You only no, that, I'm just going to grow the stable. Only allowed to have five. No, I'm, the stable is just growing. That, that's a ranch at that point. Yeah, and it's attached to the Legion of Doom. <sighs> Let's go backstage. Jeff Jarrett has a plan. Sure he does. Gene is here to interview Sid. Sid whispers and tells Gene that he's earned the championship. 
and Jeff Jarrett's scheming and Hall's friends in high places won't save them. Anyone who gets in his way will be judged by him because he is the master and ruler of the world. They will be powerbombed straight to hell. So you're going to take a journey to the center of the earth. <laughs> we didn't get the cat coming out to the ring. It's like, all right, it's, it's time for this to happen or not happen. And everyone is still like, you don't have James Brown. Like, you don't have him. Miller taunts the crowd and then uh, the cat's music hits, cutting him off. And a James Brown, I really want to say a James Brown lookalike, just... Impersonator. Yeah. Comes out and they're like, well, that's not James Brown. Yeah, everyone's like, no, that's not him. And Mark Madden, who just has to be the coolest guy in the room, but today sets him up and he's like, wait, you partied with this guy? And Mark Madden not taking the fucking hint. He's not yes ending. He's like, no, no, I, I was the real James Brown I hung out with. Not this guy. No. no. And that would have been such a better character move for him to be like, yeah, yeah. Cat told me that was James Brown. Like, yeah. we hung out or with like, or, or Mark Madden's in and out. Like, no, that's James Brown. That's what are you talking Brown. about? Yeah. That would have been great. That would have been funny. It's like, no, no, you're mistaken. That's James Brown. Right. Character moments. Mark Madden doesn't understand him. Oh, we did miss earlier. I, I really thought you were going to have more notes on him because he was driving you up a fucking wall. He was like, oh, yeah, I grew up in Harlem. And my face like, you're from Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, After a while. Because yeah. Mark Madden also had some really nasty things to say about Paisley. Like, when she came out, he made some comment about, like, shouldn't she be showing more cleavage? Fuck off man yeah and then he's yeah the harlem thing he's like yeah i grew up in harlem i grew up right down the street from all these guys like no you fucking didn't like they did the the video package of you know stevie ray in harlem back up from a couple weeks ago yeah and he's like oh yeah you can see my house in the background and tony's trying like no you can't you're from fucking pittsburgh man he's like oh well well my first 17 years of life i was in harlem but then i went to pittsburgh no you fucking didn't stop it like you said, he has to be the coolest guy in the room. He has yeah. to know everybody and be in with everybody. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, it's not about you. It's not the Mark Madden show. So the maestro and Symphony come out, and the maestro is incensed. He's here to collect yes. on his wager that Miller never accepted. No. And the cat says he's not going to be his lackey. He's like, this ain't driving Miss Daisy, but I will drive my red shoe right up your ass. That was a good line. I will give him that. Maestro snatches the wig off James Brown <laughs> in a lot of quotes. And there's some sort of prompting of, like, says who. And then we just hear over the mic, says me. And then we get a bunch of young people coming out. And just bopping and dancing along the along it, the ramp. Including one girl who missed her cue. Oh, yeah, she was late. <laughs> and then we get the real James Brown. Actual James Brown. I was shocked by this. I really did not think James Brown was showing up. There's one guy in the corner. Motherfucker's about to join Harlem Heat 2000. Oh, my God. He was massive. <laughs> he was huge. Fucking four by four joined. This dude's five by five. <laughs> oh. For a second, I thought this was that same guy. It's like, there's no way you have two of the same looking guys. Like This guy, there's no way there's two people this massive. So James Brown has a whole entourage with him. Yes. Uh, James Brown got paid $25,000 for this. <sighs> Why? <laughs> he didn't even do by that the, much. By the way. This wasn't even that hyped. It wasn't advertised. It wasn't advertised. Even funnier, I found the segment on Peacock. I have no idea how long this feud's actually been going. So if we didn't have the VHS rips, this story would have come out of nowhere. Yes. So it would have been unhyped, unadvertised, and then they just dropped $25,000 on it? Like, why? So James Brown gets into the ring. The maestro faints. Cat bows down to him. But yeah, they get in the ring together and they do a little dance dance. Yeah, do a little dance off. Everyone's having fun. I really didn't mind this. No, I didn't mind this at all. This is actually kind of fun. As someone who hates the fucking Brodus Clay gimmick, and like, I, I was at WrestleMania 28, and I'm like, we're, we're fucking doing this right oh now. Oh my god. I hated that. This, I'm like, you know what? 
It's cool. It's James Brown. He's it's having fun. It's actual James Brown, and he doesn't seem to be there against his will. He puts the cape on the cat, who busts out to do some more dance moves, and then puts the cape back on him, and <laughs> they head out without incident. Like, there was no, no angle here. It was no, just like, it was just, here's, here's James here's Brown. Here's my buddy James Brown. I thought it was great. It wasn't worth 25 grand, but... No! So let's move on. we got three matches left. But first, Mean Gene interviews Scott Hall. Hall notes that he's in timeout, and I'm like, that might be uh, a little bit of an understatement right now. Uh-huh. He says that he can go, and it's like, back in the day, we didn't get chances because we we knew people. You know, we got it because we could go, and I'm like, you're part of the fucking click, dude. You don't yeah, get to be no. like, oh, I, I've never used backstage influence. You're part of the problem, my friend. So he says he's going to win the title, and he's going to put the title down there. Down where? Down here. Stupid. It's so it's so stupid every time. Well, yeah, they're like, oh, I need friends to get ahead. What? Yeah, what? No, but it was just kind of sad because like I know he doesn't win this title, and the only place he can go is to rehab. It's kind of sad. Well, we'll we'll talk about him at the end of the show. No, I don't want to. But let's go to Terry Funk with Dustin Rhodes, who's here to do nothing. Literally I, nothing. I cannot stress that enough. Literally nothing. Versus Ric Flair in a Texas Death Match. So. These two motherfuckers. It's Terry Funk and Ric Flair in a death match. <laughs> obviously, Nick and I do time to blade because obviously these two are going to blade. And because Terry it's Funk's, Terry Funk and Ric and Terry Flair. Terry Funk's forehead is, is so purple, like ready He's to like fucking ready burst. ready to do it. So we were both like, oh, it's going to happen. My time was four and a half minutes. Nick took the under. Should we spoil it now? Like, <laughs> There's no blood. There's no blood. They never blade. I was so shocked. So what are the rules of a Texas at death match, Emily? You have to pin your opponent and they have to stay down for a 10 count. Yeah. Or, or submit them. Or submit them. And still 10 count. Yes. So pre-match, we get the video package. Gene interviews Ric Flair. He hypes up the match in a pretty good promo. You know, it's, oh, Ric, it's Ric Flair hyping a match. So It's going to be good. He says he doesn't like death matches, but he is the dirtiest player in the game. So he's going to find a way. Again, yeah. So dirtiest player you'd think dirtiest player meant we're gonna draw some blood successful little promo and just get me a little more hype for this match oh, but yeah. emily if you bought super brawl you can get a free stuffed bear so i don't understand why the fuck the collectible thing is a bear like we've gone we've done cups we've done surge why did a you do bear? it right before the, the texas death match just to have something to hold on to to like make you feel better but here's the thing i was on ebay i can't find this bear I don't know, like... What? Think about this for a second. 70,000 people bought this show. You had to call to claim the bear. Yes. I think 100 people had this bear. I want this bear. It exists somewhere. It has to. I can't find it. So the match starts. They tangle in the corners and they're taking their time a little bit. I was like, oh, fuck. They're going to, like, wait out. Time to blade. No, never mind. Yeah, no. Funk hits punches to Flair's head. Like, not now? Yeah, we were thinking, like, this is it. Like... His head was about to burst. Like, I didn't know you could control blood flow, but clearly you can. Flair hits chops and get an apron suplex back inside. Flair begs off, followed by a back body drop to Flair. More punches to Flair's head and Funk does the spinning toe hold, but Flair fights out. They end up on the floor and we get two suplexes to Ric Flair on the mats. And that's enough to pin Ric Flair. I'm like, wait, what? The pin counts, but he doesn't like Yeah, he gets up like four, but but he still got pinned. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of this type of stipulation. Like, you know, last man standing matches can be boring, but it's at least consistent of like, okay, like, 
you're doing damage, they're going to go down. I hate, this is like promo level HP where it's like, oh. I don't know. The way I see this is like, you know that the pin alone isn't going to be what costs you the match. So maybe, yeah, take the pin, give yourself a couple extra seconds to recalibrate, regroup, and then get up. They actually have that moment later with uh, the figure four because apparently Funk gives up really quickly. Like, oh, that was smart because yeah, it won't he stay. Yeah. Flair dumps Terry Funk into the crowd and you laugh your ass off at this spot because Funk just holds on upside down like fucking Spider-Man. Yeah, why? He didn't. He was exerting way more strength than he had to to go over this barricade. To use our, our comparison from a few weeks ago, basically it's when you're trying to pour the spaghetti out out of the pot and the one noodle just hangs <laughs> off the side. He is he is noodle. Occasional spaghetti. We get a Funk. low blow punt to Terry Funk. And oh. they're like, oh, where'd, where'd he kick him? And Tony Schiavone's like, well, his hand's holding his dick, so I'm pretty sure he hit him in the dick. <laughs> Tony Schiavone is over it. Tony Schiavone does not care anymore. Then we get a plastic folding chair to Terry Funk's knee. Yeah, where did this come from? <laughs> I don't know. Who had this? Terry Funk. Why be able to get around comfortably? You need a new knee, Terry. Yeah. Actually, if you're just taking plastic chair shots, you're probably fine. You probably don't need a new knee, Terry. Probably. It is probably softer. We then get punches to Terry Funk's head, like, directly, like, bam. And I'm like, But again, he's fucking purple. Bleed, Bleed. old man. (laughs) Why won't you die? Flair then locks in the figure four, and I guess Terry Funk gives up verbally, because he's like, yeah, he he quit. Like, what? No, he did. He tapped out pretty quickly. Yeah. Or, he didn't, he was smashing his arm down, but that's just like the, I'm selling pain, I'm not tapping out. No, there was something else. I did see a tap out. Okay, I I missed it, because they were like, like, yeah, he said he gave up. I'm like, oh, I guess it was a verbal one. I don't know. Funk gets up at five. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. Flair goes up top to try to hit Air Canada, but Terry Funk catches him and throws him off the top rope. Flair gets thrown to the floor and gets pile-driven on the mats. Funk then explodes the concrete floor as they brawl around the announcer's table. He hits a pile driver onto the concrete floor. Mm-hmm. Commentary's like, oh, I think he missed it. No, he didn't. No, he was on he, the concrete. He went around the concrete like, put this over, you fucking jackasses. They are the worst commentary team. They don't give a shit during this match. No. Like, it's bad. Yeah. So Funk pins Flair. And I don't know what number Flair gets up on, but he's clearly going to get up because Terry Funk is going to get a table yeah. while, while he's still down. Like, Even Terry's like, he knows that's not going to do it. So Funk grabs a mic and asks Flair if he wants to quit. Flair says no. So Funk says he's going to break Flair's neck again. I'm like, what? Again? I didn't know he already had his neck broken. Yeah, I think that's from like the few, like a 10 or 11 years before. Sure. Powdriver threw the table in the ring to Ric Flair and... The, the spot where the table was, I was convinced. I'm like, oh, they're going to do something else. Yeah. Funk then goes for a pin, but pulls Flair's arm up on the pin. Like like he's actually being cocky, not like uh, right. the, not like the wall pinning uh, the demon. No. Yeah, this was actually like intentional. It yeah. wasn't like, oh, I fucked up the pin. Yeah. He's not done. Oh, oh boy, go to school. Is this the point where we noticed that Terry Funk's chest is like bleeding? So we, so we, did, we did get we blood. We did get a little blood, but it wasn't the I kind of blood we I didn't notice until the end of the match. This was like from the chops bleeding. Yeah. This looked like it hurt more. Commentary points out, it's like, Terry, you probably would have won if you just pinned him there. Yeah, probably. So Funk grabs another table and sets it up, but then tries for a pin and Flair kicks out. It was like mm-hmm. the weirdest, like, what? Why now? I don't know. I did start to zone out on this match. Punches to Flair's head and Funk lays Flair on the table. Funk goes up top for what I was honestly assuming was going to be the moonsault. I don't really know what. He doesn't have any other top row moves, so I'm like, I yeah. guess. He's the same direction. Like they're not par- like they're not parallel. They're on the same line. Right. They're on the same axis. And Ric Flair gets up, puts him through the table, pins him, and then we get Ric Flair getting up on a nine count, and then immediately does the flare flop. And Terry Funk doesn't get up, so Flair wins. Flair won. 
commentary kills us a little, little bit by saying like, oh, it doesn't matter if Flair gets up because he isn't the one who has to. So I understand the logic behind that because Flair pinned Funk. So Funk is the one that has to get up. Flair did not get pinned. So therefore his down does not count. I agree with you. It doesn't matter. But the way the match was structured made it look like it was important. I disagree. I, Dustin Ro- Dustin Rhodes is complaining. Like, no, Flair's down. That's not how the match works though. Yeah. It, 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 it Once again, like kind of killed the ending a little bit. It was so it, it weird. Did. Yeah. But commentary was just undermining this at every, every possible junction like they wanted this match to be lame and they succeeded because it kind of was a lame death match honestly yeah in terms of a death match i think the the name itself over to the stipulation it did for what it was a match i enjoyed it it was fine yeah. it was a good match once but, again the end kind of like what yeah. yeah but for something called a death match there was no interference there was no blood there were no moves that were like death defying it was just kind of a match yeah you got Two pile drivers. That was kind of yeah. a big. So yeah, like I yeah. I mean, I was convinced that Dustin Rhodes was like going to turn on Terry Funk for some reason. Yes, like, he just stood there and did literally nothing. Yeah, he just cheered. Why were you even there? What's the point? He wasn't on the side. Of, he wasn't a, being a manager. He wasn't on the side of the ring. He wasn't helping Terry at all. He wasn't like not a single. He was an audience member. That said, I imagine if he had been in this match, he definitely would have won because he would have gotten up at seven every time. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> You want to move on? Yep. <laughs> mean Gene interviews Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Hart. Oh, Pretty classic Hulk Hogan Jimmy promo, so but now with the cast. He says that uh, Lex Luger has been snap, crackle, and popping everyone's arms. <laughs> Which is great. He then implies he's going to feed Miss Elizabeth to Lex Luger. I'm like, I'm what? snap Liz up and force feed her to Luger. That is what he said. What the fuck? Hulk? What? Actual cannibal Hulk Hogan? No, he's not the cannibal. He's going to make other people the cannibal. Oh my god, it's fucking wild. It's Michael Buffer time. Woo! It's not the main event, but it's Michael Ooh. Buffer time. Woo! And Michael Buffer with his classic line, "Let's bring him out." <laughs> like what? So my my thought is, he's paid on appearance. We know this. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's an additional fee for every time he says, "Let's get ready to rumble," so that they didn't pay him for more than one of that. So he just kind of had to ad lib the second showing. So he only yeah. got the set number of dollars. He would have gotten more if he had said, let's get ready to rumble twice. Yeah. But also would have like taken away from the let's get ready to rumble. I don't know. So it's the total package versus Hulk Hogan. Luger comes out. I, this is the first time we realized that the Hulk Hogan chair is also the sting chair. Yeah, it's double sided. I had no idea. Hogan gets WCW'd getting in the ring as Michael Buffer is like still finishing his entrance as he's getting stomped in the ground. Yep. Luger misses an elbow drop, and did you notice that Hogan's just, like, not in shape? I mean, you're asking the wrong person. I know, but, like... Big, Commentary kept saying that he looked great. Like, big kind of roid belly on him more than anything. Well, yeah. yeah. like, I think about him in, like, early days at WWE, like, looking real slim. Like, oh, here, yeah. he just, like... He did... He has put on a couple pounds. Yeah. No, I... Yes, he, he does not look his best here, and he doesn't wrestle his best here either. We did, like, have a conversation about Hulk Hogan's wrestling style while we were watching this match. So, like, I think that you kind of pinpointed why I don't like him is because he did not adapt with the times of wrestling. He is still wrestling the way that people enjoyed wrestling in the 80s. He is and he's not because, as I've said before, Hulk Hogan doesn't know how to wrestle as a face anymore. Yes, that's another part of the problem. Because they do very standard action and then they go outside, chair shot to Luger. I'm like, DQ? Yeah. Why Why is it just like Hulk Hogan? No, I can break whatever rules I want. Because he's Hulk Hogan. 
It doesn't matter the heel face dynamic. He's just Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan <laughs> is its own dynamic, which is itself problematic because you don't know how to root for him. I wrote a very mean note next. Oh, no. Remember when Luger was going to be the next Hulk Hogan? It succeeded because I don't care about either of these men. Oh, oh, well. We get 10 smashes in the corner from Hogan and then another set of them. Hogan runs the ropes, gets hit in the ribs with a baseball bat by Miss Elizabeth, and no sells it. Doesn't sell it. What the fuck? What? What? Selling doesn't work for me, brother. Jimmy Hart then comes and steals the bat and, like a gentleman, just throws it away. Doesn't threaten to, like, murder Liz and feed her to fucking Luger. He gives it to an official. Yeah. And he's like, take this. Get, Get rid of it. It's done. We get the big boot, and then Hogan goes for the weightlifting belt. Lex hits a low blow, then he goes for the belt. Jimmy Hart just cheats. <laughs> Leg drop to Luger. Pin. Good old cheating victory from Hulk Hogan. Yeah, Luger's not allowed to have Miss Elizabeth use the, the bat, but the belt's totally fine. Yeah. And my manager can fuck with you as much as he wants. Yes. Sure. I wish I was a wrestling fan in the heyday of wrestling, in like the 70s and the 80s. I wish I was alive for that because I just don't fucking get Hulk Hogan. Well, to add to it, it, Hogan gets the win, but he's not done, brother. Just whipping Luger on the crowd like you beat him. Yeah, you're a face. I'm like, heel Ric Flair makes the save. So Flair and Luger beat down Hogan. And in something that I I subconsciously saw coming, Sting comes out to make the save because <gasps> Sting's here. They were hyping up. They're like, oh, Sting's going to be back at the end of the month. And then he didn't come back at the end of the month. I thought he was the one behind the secret door. That was my Surprise. guess at the time. He's not. Yes. They conf- They have to say after this, like, oh, he wasn't the one in the door. He, uh. He was just here. Yeah. He was just a guy. But yeah, Sting's back. Yay, woo. Remember last time Hogan and Sting were in the ring together? No. Halloween Havoc 99. No. I don't I don't recall. Uh, I think you do. I don't recall. Yeah, last time we saw these two, they were feuding, and Hogan just laid down and let Sting pin him. And it was never mentioned again. Nope. And that turned into like a big argument between the two of us of like, who was in the right here? It was in the right. I was just like, hey, I don't think Sting's that much in the wrong. Yeah. It was like, who do we direct our anger at more? Yeah. I stand by. One of those two men wrestled a match later that night to help make up for the make up for the bullshit. Sure. The other one went home. Yes. I guess that's fair, but still. Still. Well, yeah, Sting wrestled Goldberg cuz he's like, yeah, that that was kind of a shit main event. Let's actually do something. Yeah. And again, he was a heel being like, let's put on a show for the fans. Because even when you're a heel, if you're feuding with Hulk Hogan, you're kind of a face. Make it make sense. You give me so much heat for, like, not understanding the heel-face dynamic. And, like, I present to you this. My my summarizing thought was, I hated most things about this. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was a good match. It was, it was not, like, it wasn't worth watching. Yeah. It didn't have enough, like, backstory to it. It didn't have enough legs to it. It wasn't worth watching. I'm assuming this feud is mostly done. Yeah, this was just a way for them to get Sting back. Yeah, now they'll do Sting versus Luger and Hogan versus Flair. Yeah. Let's go towards the ring for our main event. Scott Hall and Sid are headed there. The triple... Sorry, it's not a triple threat match. It is a uh, three-way dance. It is Jeff Jarrett versus Sid Vicious versus Scott Hall for the WCW title. Woo! We get a video package and then commentary noting, yeah, the private room was not Sting's. We have another surprise. Someone's coming out. We don't know. Michael Buffer double time. This time we do actually get the Let's Get Ready to Rumble, though. Yes. Because you can only get it once. Jeff Jarrett and Scott Hall fight before Sid comes out. Fall away slam to Jeff Jarrett, and then we actually get Sid's entrance, and Hall draws attention to Jeff Jarrett, like, no, attack him, before blasting Sid. Mm-hmm. Sid clears the ring of everybody, including the Harris boys, but then the Harris boys re-interfere and crotch Sid. Hall slips out of a sleeper and locks in one of his own, 
And then we get ref bump number one. Yeah, number one. Fuck. Charles Robinson gets attacked by Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. Low blow to Hall and then a double clothesline to both men and a double choke slam from Sid. We had a second referee coming out. We get a belt shot to Sid Vicious, like title belt. No reaction. Nope. Jeff Jarrett is not over. You could hear a pin drop in the in the crowd for this match. No one cared. No. I think that the, weirdly enough, the Luger-Hogan match really killed the audience because no one cares. Jeff Jarrett just hits the stroke on Nick Patrick. Like, what? Oh, I thought it was Mickey J, but yeah, Nick Patrick is also Oh, he's one on uh, Mickey J later. Oh, okay. Ron Harris holds up a chair to throw Sid into, but it's the one thing they didn't want to happen. Oh, no. Hall goes for the for the outsider's edge, but Jeff Jarrett counters it and then just attacks Charles Robinson and then Mickey J. So the plan here, you know, it, it's a little clever, is like attack all the other referees so Slick Johnson has to be the ref. Because he had previously assigned Slick Johnson to be the ref and Terry Taylor was like, nope, you can't do that. Right. You can't have your crooked referee doing your match. Like, yeah, that makes sense. We but if the- he's the only referee available, then here, here he is. We then get an outsider's edge to Jeff Jarrett, and Slick Johnson goes to count the pin, but oh, he hurts his shoulder, his shoulder. Uh, on, oh. on number three. And then fucking Mark Madden on commentary is like, oh, I hurt his shoulder. What are you going to do? Like, no, he didn't hurt his shoulder. Sid beats both men down, but is dumped to the outside. We then get a, a guitar shot to Hall, and Slick Johnson goes to make the pin and like has to stall for a little bit, because who is behind the secret door? <gasps> it's Rowdy Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper's back. I think he's literally back for the night. The one man that could save it all. Kind of a letdown of a big, like, ooh, who's it going to be? Roddy Piper. Oh, I thought it was a good show. I mean, are we are we retconning? Is he still just a referee from the Russo days? I mean, that's what it seems like. Yeah. He is the referee. I don't know. I thought this was good. I like this. He's I, the only person that could have saved this. I didn't hate it, but I just thought it was kind of a letdown. Who did you want it to be? I, we already I, knew that Sting wasn't it. Who who I, in your well, brain? In, in my brain, it was Sting. And then I, did, and then I was like, oh, well, I don't know who else it would be. I thought it would be at least somebody coming out to like at least you know challenge Sid, Sid after it. Like, hey, here's a new direction we're going. But I don't know I don't who the know. hell that would have been. I don't know. I thought, this was, I thought this was very surprising. So it got me. I thought this was cool. We had a choke slam to Jeff Jarrett and then a powerbomb to Scott Hall. And Sid pins with the count from Roddy Piper. During this, the other referees are like kind of stopping the Harris boys from interfering. Mm-hmm. But Jeff Jarrett got like a head start and also didn't get there. So yeah, what a fucking mess of a match. Oh, yeah. I To me, the best part of it was Roddy Piper. I'm sorry that, that was yeah. such a letdown to you, but I really enjoyed that. If it wasn't for the situation, I weirdly think you could have had Scott Hall win here. Yeah, I could have seen it. Let, let, let's say our goodbye to Scott Hall now. And this admit- kills me. Yeah, admittedly. I, I don't know if we see Roddy Piper again, but I'll wait until he's formally released. Sure. This really hurts to say goodbye to Scott Hall because, like, I have enjoyed watching him. And I've missed him when he's been gone. Yeah, we didn't see a lot of him in, in reality. We started watching. He was doing the drunk storyline. Then they merged the NWO. And within, like, two months, he kind of just vanished because he was hurt. Mm-hmm. They had him pop into the insane asylum for <laughs> yeah. that one moment. That one and- shot. And then he was just gone gone again for a while, and then he came back, and then he was gone, and now he's back, and now he's gone. He's not going to be fired tomorrow, because according to him, he gets hurt in this match. Mm, okay. I think he does get a little hurt, but it's one of those where, like, are you hurt, or are you just trying not to get fired? Yeah. He did foolishly claim, like, no, they can't fire me. They need my testimony in this one lawsuit that's been going on for, like, three oh. years. And they went, <laughs> no, just we kidding. can't. We don't. Yeah, we don't need you. Damn. It's a shame. Yeah. I think I want to go back and watch some like Razor Ramon stuff because 
It's funny. My whole journey with Scott Hall, I started out hating this man. Yeah. Him and Kevin Nash, I fucking hated them. If you listen back to like, you'll hear it in the pilot probably. Like where I'm like, who the fuck are these guys? Oh yeah. I, I, I did tell you, you're like exact quote from our pilot. Well, if the NWO were such a big deal, why weren't they part of the invasion? From a naive standpoint? Yeah. I, I, I still have that question. I hated him and then I missed him and he brought something to the show that was lacking and I don't know. He was also the first wrestling death that I experienced that I really like had a hard time with. I know the people that have been watching wrestling for a long time have had to grapple with deaths in the community for a long, long, long time. This was the first one for me as a true fan that like really hit me. So I've enjoyed watching him and I've enjoyed seeing him on TV and being who he is. And I just don't think we got enough and it's just sad because i know why we didn't get enough and it's just there's no good way to say it yeah it's a wrestling term but the phrase personal demons it's one of those where he, he is the epitome of personal demons yeah and he very much one of those what if kind of yeah. stories because he absolutely could have been he could have been huge yeah he could have been it so i don't know when he actually gets fired and unfortunately knowing he's gone and doesn't come back is a little bit of a spoiler for uh, some storylines because mm. most of Kevin Nash's you know, at least next 6 months but a lot of maybe then even the next 12 months is him just doing stories like I want to get Scott Hall back. Oh. To the point where I don't even know what Nitro it is but they do a like backstage interview and they actually bring in Scott Hall for that. But the network didn't want anything to do with him. So, like, there's, like, a weird lighting issue or something. And it was going to be revealed that it was Scott Hall. But they cut Hall out of it entirely. So, it was just, like, oh, just a weird lighting issue. And they, like, aired it. And it was, like, they just kept saying Scott Hall over and over again. Even though they were told not to. And I think it's been cut from all rebroadcasts. Wow. He will will show up in November in ECW. Oh, really? He wrestles, like, two matches for him. He goes to WWE. He was part of the NWO. Gets fired after the plane ride from hell. Yep. Does some stuff in TNA. He had a group with Kevin Nash called The Band. Getting the band back together. I want to say it was uh, Nash, Jarrett, and Scott Hall. I know there's a weird ad of them all dressed like Elvis. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure. And yeah, he, he finally got it turned around, it seems. Just too Before late. the end, but yeah, just a little too late. Did he get put into the WWE Hall of Fame? Yes. Good. He, I think he's one of the who's in twice, because he's in... As Razor Ramon and as part of like NWO. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Scott Hall is one. It's definitely one of those where we will miss him, but it might be better that it's better that he's gone. Yeah. For him. Yeah. But we'll miss him. Yeah. So thoughts on this show as a whole? And that's an A plus on the new grading curve. Oh, is it? <laughs> oh no. Emily, this was so much better than so many of the more recent shows we've been watching. And it's it was still fine. It's still, it yeah, was good. it was fine. It was absolutely fine. Yes. Minus Tang Abbott. Yes. It was fine. Yeah. We're grading on a curve now. So <laughs> I think on the curve is probably a B. Okay. Yeah. I'd be, B minus. Yeah. Yeah. It was fine. It was, a, it was a match. It was a pay-per-view. It was fine. It was unoffensive except for the Tank Abbott match. We only have one one more pay-per-view before Russo comes back. Oh, really? So I he, didn't realize. He comes back early April. Oh, shit. Yeah. I didn't realize. So we have Uncensored. Woo! Normally known as the worst show of the year. Oh, God. Let's go. I'm pumped. Are you pumped? Sure. Let's go. Well, let's go to best bit, worst bit, and MVP. Emily, what is your best bit? There's only one of these categories that I had a really hard time with. 
Uh, my best bit, I did give it to the three count match with Norman Smiley. Oh, okay. I really enjoyed that match. I know it was stupid, but it was a lot of fun. What was your best bit? I don't really feel strongly about anything Fair. tonight. I think I'd go with Vampiro versus Kidman, but... Yeah, that was a contender for me, just because it's, it's standard classic. Nothing bad about that match. Do I even need to ask your worst bit? Nope. It's the Tank Abbott match. It was horrific. But it was on a pole, Emily. Awful. Did that add to your your lack of enjoyment? The fact that you were like, it's a pole. And then, no, not like that. Not like this. Yes. (laughs) I asked for a pole match. Not like this. I'm I'm assuming that's your worst. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Who did you pick for MVP? You know, it's for the reason I've given it to him like four times by now. Giving it to Booker. Yeah. (laughs) Booker's out there just trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Sorry, I had three immobile chicken shits. Oh my god, yeah. It was it was slim pickings. I'll give you that. The worst part about that match is the fact that it was a screwy finish, which makes me think they're going to keep feuding. Yeah, probably. <laughs> need that feud to be over. Probably. And they're just going to keep adding more massive men to go against Booker. And he's just going to keep wrestling circles around them. I don't know if they add any more people. We'll, we'll find out. Emily, is Booker your MVP or are you going in a different direction? good contender i just i went with roddy piper because he's the one and only person that is trying to like actually put an end to jeff jarrett right now and like is going to do it successfully as the fucking referee like i gave it to him i don't feel great about it okay it was fine man showed up for two minutes the pickings were slim man i walked so slow slick johnson had to count one two man you're gonna win like <laughs> the pickings were fucking slim all right Ugh. Well, I can tell you where the pickings won't be slim, which is our upcoming Patreon. Let's plug that one yeah! more time. We're going to have three pieces of content on launch day. Again, launch day is August 19th, 2023. Yes. And a we're week g- before our wedding. Yes. And we're going to have a fourth thing recorded because uh, this is the last episode of the podcast before our wedding. Woo! Yeah. The next episode is going to be the February 21st WW Monday Nitro, which will be released on our wedding day, August 26th. Yeah. Because I hate to tell you, if it doesn't come out that day, it ain't coming out, actually. It's not coming out for at least a week and a half. Well, technically, that. we are home that Sunday, so I could. Oh, no, you're not going to. No, I'm not going to, but I'll be home. The possibility's there. And then we're, then we're going to Napa. Let's go. But we are, yeah, as mentioned before, we are stockpiling episodes. We will have them available to release. You should not feel any sort of gap in our content. Yes, yeah, so you'll get the next Nitro on our wedding day. You'll get the... The February 28th Nitro while we're on our honeymoon. And then two weeks after that, you'll get the March 6th Nitro. Don't so, even have any pay-per-views to look forward to. Our first recording back as a married couple is going to be an ECW pay-per-view. Oh my god. <laughs> Wedded bliss. Let's talk about some fucking hardcore wrestling. It'll be ECW living dangerously. Ooh. I too like to live dangerously. But until all those episodes release and until the Patreon's up and all that, you can listen to all of our back catalog. On Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, not not Stitcher, but iHeartRadio and, and Deezer. Plus, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And Threads. And Threads. We figured out bu- Threads. Yeah. The way we figured it out was, I just don't have a personal Threads. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah you can follow us all there at Butts in the Pod and Facebook, the Butts in the Seats Podcast. Ooh, this was uh, a this little... This was a doozy. Yeah, this was a longer episode than some of the more recent ones. Yes. I need some water. Yeah, we <laughs> We gotta go. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to leave in 20 minutes. But until the next episode on our wedding day, I'm Nick. I'm Emily. And thanks for listening to the Bust and Seats podcast. Bye.